Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 132 of Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. This week's episode features a nature and landscape photographer living in Seattle, Washington, Mahesh Thapa. Mahesh is a pediatric radiologist and is known as the starving photographer. He is a Sony Alpha ambassador and has been an active photographer for over 20 years. Mahesh and I explored several interesting topics this week, including how he got into photography, the overlap and parallels between landscape photography and radiology, managing a busy schedule as a father, photographer, and physician, what motivates him as a photographer, his relationship with Sony and other brands, and Instagram. (laughs) All right, well, before we get started, I wanted to tell you again about one of our most amazing podcast patrons, Gary Randall. You might remember Gary from episode 37 and again from episode 63. He is a fantastic photographer and a great human being. Here on the podcast, we are all about supporting each other as photographers through collaboration. Gary has been a huge supporter of the podcast for a very long time, and I encourage you to support him. He actually just announced his 2020 Kenai Peninsula Alaska Photography Tour, which will be August 9th through the 15th. I can almost guarantee that if you go with Gary, you'll have an amazing time. Check out his awesome photography and links to his workshop in the liner notes of the podcast. And if you do go, let Gary know you found out about it through the show. Thanks. All right. Well, let's get to the show. All right. Well, Mahesh Thapa, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny. You were actually recommended by our guest on episode 001 with Kevin Shearer. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's quite an honor. It's 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 always nice, you know, to be recognized by a fellow photographer and uh, people you respect. Uh, so, you know, it, more so than anything else, that seems to be uh, the biggest boon for me when I hear something like that. But yeah. So, thanks to Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, he actually couldn't remember your name, I don't think, but he I think he just called you the starving photographer. Oh and, yes. <laughs> I was curious what what is it what does that name mean for you? No, it's funny, you know, I've been doing photography for I don't know, twenty years or so. And um it was in medical school that my interest in photography sort of blossomed. Uh and at that time I really was a starving artist, as you would say. But sure. But, we're starving artists, but had already been taken. So I was looking for what else could I use for a website name and starving photographer came up and uh, it sort of stuck. I never really bothered to change it afterwards. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, for people that maybe aren't familiar with you, uh, maybe you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you live, like, you know, do you have kids? Are you married? What do you do? F- what do you do for your, for a living and, and things like that? Yeah, no, I'm happy to share. Um, well, I am 44 years old, and like I said, I've been doing photography for about 20 years, but photography is not my primary job. I'm actually a physician. I'm a pediatric radiologist at Seattle Children's Hospital. I'm uh, very happy to be there, very proud uh, to help take care of uh, sick kids. And, uh, you know, I originally grew up in Nepal, moved to the States when I was eight years old to Las Vegas of all places, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I talk about culture shock. (laughs) From there, I went to school there. You know, I went to medical school in LA at USC, um, came to Washington, University of Washington in Seattle to do my residency in diagnostic radiology, stayed here to do a fellowship in pediatric radiology and sort of stayed on staff. Uh, And like I said before, my love for photography grew when I was in medical school. My first trip ever was to Yosemite. And I think I had the first digital camera I ever made. It's like a 0.3 megapixel camera where <laughs> you could just point and shoot and you just hope for the best. And what I really loved about that was, you know, it was sort of immediate gratification. Uh, in my life where everything was delayed gratification, delayed gratification, it was nice to have something that gave me immediate results right away when I when I pressed the shutter. I never actually have shot film very much except for, you know, the occasional point and shoot stuff. You go to a wedding and somebody points a little, gives a little, 
portable camera to use. So record what's going on in your table. That's about the extent of my, that was the extent of my photography experience until I picked up a digital camera. Uh, and uh, ever since then, I sort of taught myself Photoshop. I remember Photoshop 1.0, learning all the little oh. basics and progressing all the way to what it is right now. So I feel like I've grown up uh, and am intimately familiar with uh, digital photography and my and my genre, my love. Really, I really love compelling images. It doesn't really matter what it is, but I think my my niche or my my subject matter is really nature and landscapes. Uh, that's where I thrive, and that's that's where I find. Uh, my happiness. Mm, yeah, me too. What, what, uh, what do you think makes a compelling landscape image? Because I feel like that's a that's a whole topic that we could probably discuss and and pontificate for for hours. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 a great question, uh, Matt. And uh, I think it all comes down to you know what stage in photography are you in? I feel like. Uh, as a landscape photographer, or more so than maybe some other type of photographer, you sort of go through stages uh, in photography. You know, when I when I was going through photography, when I first started, as long as the I had the correct exposure, everything was sharp, I was happy. I go, wow, look at this. This looks great, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then my next stage is, okay, I got really into gear. You know, I said, what's the sharpest <laughs> lens? Or is this an F2.8 one four. Let me look at the corners. Let me take a picture of that brick wall. Oh, you know that lens is just has a little bit more too much cap, chromatic aberration over there. This is a crap lens, you know. Then and, and then and then you sort of progress from that, and you realize that's not the most important thing in the world. And then you then you worry about composition, you know. You say, you know, and then you get too worried <laughs> about composition, and you worry about you know what's that S curve? I can't find a dang S curve in any of my compositions, you know. Oh, look at that, you know, you know, by the rule of thirds, oh, I can't put this in the rule of thirds, you know, you get sort of obsessed with that. And then you sort of move away from it, you know, and you realize, you know, you just look for good light. And that's where I feel like I am right now. Uh, that's what I worry about now is good light. You know, if, as long as the light is good, even the most mundane subject matter, uh, I think, uh, becomes really great. And all the other things as you gain uh, progressing through photography is in the back of your mind. You know, yes, you want a sharp image. Yes, you want correct exposure. You'd like to have a pleasing composition, and all of that sort of becomes second nature. And then you just sort of look for good light, and good light, and a lot of other things sort of fall into place. And so when you have all those things come together, that's what makes a great landscape picture. I think more so in that genre than in in other places. You know, you don't have, you know, shallow bokeh. Uh, to sort of uh, fall back on, you know, you don't have just textures, you don't have just colors. Everything sort of has to come together uh, to make that that really wonderful landscape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it's it's funny. I just got back from a uh, like ten day trip uh, photographing fall colors here in Colorado, and we we were blessed with nine days of of you know cloudless skies <laughs> and but you know even then you can still like in you know in you can still find interesting light in the trees and the shadows and yeah. you know there's dappled light that kind of comes through through the tree branches and things like that it's just a matter of kind of rethinking about how you see the landscape yeah and i think as as more experienced you get the more you learn to appreciate light that's not sunset or sunrise or golden you know we sort of get i think obsessed obsessed with that time period but there's great light to be had in all parts of the day you just have to sort of look for it and find the right composition you know find the right patterns and shadow detail and i think good compositions can be had anywhere uh and in any condition of light uh and that's that's what I, every time i go out that's what i try to strive for because you know oftentimes we're in places once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime and you know just to walk away from there by saying oh the light was crap I'm not taking pictures. I just, that's just not, I, I don't think you're doing anybody a service by the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's hard to resist though. And you, I feel like people go into different areas of the world or different trips and they have kind of expectations of capturing certain images that require a certain type of light or they require clouds or whatever. And it's, uh, I think it's hard when you have expectations that are then, you know, unfortunately, they're not going to be met. Even if you have the perfect conditions, there's still going to be something about that scene that's not quite what you expected, I feel like. Yeah, and oftentimes, you know, it's the unexpected images that you come home with that make you smile. You know, sometimes I go thinking I'm going to get this great shot, this is exactly what I want, but then maybe I'll capture something else that, that tugs at my heart a little bit more. Yeah. And so I like those moments also. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was curious. Um, so you're a pediatric radiologist, and what does a radiologist do? Uh, basically, I think of a radiologist as a, a physician's physician. You know, we often are being consulted uh, for conditions that somebody may not know a lot about. You know, maybe a child comes in with a cough or a rash or a mass, and then they go, what should we do next? How can we figure out what's going on? Uh, and oftentimes, the one of the answers could be an imaging. You know, maybe you get an X-ray or a CT or an MRI or what have you. And then it's the pediatric pediatric radiologist, if it happens to be a child, who interprets those images and gives an idea to the uh, clinician, uh, whether it's the surgeon or the pediatrician or, or what have you, about what they are looking at might be. Because, oh, you know, I see a mass here. You know, this looks more like this type of tumor. Or, you know what, this looks has very benign features. I wouldn't worry about it too much. So we're sort of a consultant. Um, we don't deal with patients as frequently, but we do deal with some as frequently as a, as a clinician or, or surgeon might might do. Uh, but I feel like uh, it's a very cerebral process. Oftentimes we're looking at images and coming out with ideas of what something could be. Uh, and uh, and I really like it, you know, and it goes well with uh, imaging because a lot of it, a lot of the principles in imaging for, for medicine is similar to digital imaging. You know, we have to worry about signal to noise ratio. We have to worry about dynamic range. Uh, we have to worry about sharpness. Uh, so I feel like a lot of the things I apply at one field could be applied to the other. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like a very natural uh, progression to go from radiology to photography. They're very similar, <laughs> like you said. Yeah. That's that's so interesting. How, how have you been able to leverage your experience as a physician in, in, the, in, the, in the field as a photographer? Besides just the technical aspects, like I just mentioned about you know, dynamic range, you know, noise ratios, things like that, I think um, a lot of what I do is capturing images in a way uh, to show the clinicians exactly why I think a particular condition is present. Uh, and it sort of lets me at least practice composition. You know, if I take an x-ray a certain way or take a fluoroscopic image a certain way, it frames the process I'm trying to show a little better. And depending on when I capture the images, no matter what technique I used, it, it, it could make something look really ugly or really, really bad or really good, uh, depending on what I think this thing is. And, you know, knowing that I can change parameters, the imaging parameters to get the effect I want, uh, sort of spills over into photography. Uh, it's a lot of it is technical as, and also a lot of it is art. So I feel like it it, it goes hand in hand, mm -hmm. um, it, and it brings a little humanity, I think, to to photography. You know, dealing with sick kids, dealing with parents, you know, seeing the suffering, seeing you know what's going on. Uh, photography ends up being a little bit of a release uh, for me, also, and uh, and I'm and I and I and I feel like both go hand in hand. You know, what I learn in, in medicine helps me in photography. What I help, what I learn in photography helps ease my tension in, in, in medicine. So it's a great, great combination. Yeah, you kind of stole one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was like, how how does photography help you as a physician? I'm Because I, I feel like I've, I know a lot of people that are um, clinicians of some kind, either social work or medicine or what have you, that, uh, that use photography as an artistic outlet. And I'm curious... Kind of what what role does photography play in your world as a as a physician? Well, you know, I think it it brings a lot of beauty uh, uh, into the world. Photography, uh, and in times when I'm maybe a little down uh, or I've had a particularly rough week, as far as uh, a difficult case or seeing a little bit too much suffering, uh, I can turn to photography, and it it releases me from that tension a little bit. It reminds me that not everything in the world is ugly. That's why I think sort of uh, drawn towards nature uh, and landscape type of photography more so than people photography or canvas, which I do on occasion. Uh, it, um, it shows that, you know, even in this world where we always hear about is global warming, uh, you know, and floods, that there is still a lot of beauty to be had. Uh, and that's what I really like about photography. It, uh, it, 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 it releases tension and it shelters me from, I guess, uh, mm. 
the badness that's happening in the world. Yeah, I like that. Um, I actually, I work in the human services field myself. I'm, I do, um, we, I work for a company that provides services for individuals with developmental disabilities and, you know, day to day, there's a lot of joy that comes with that, but there's also a lot of, you know, sadness and suffering that you get to see and how, how the, the world treats those individuals and kind of the work, how much more work we have to do as a society to, to um, integrate those individuals into kind of how we, how we live the world. Um, And so, yeah, for me, photography kind of helps remind me of, you know, that there's more to life than all of these challenges that we're trying to solve as humans. And um, it's a, it's a nice break for me anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think you sort of hit the nail on the head when you say it's a, it is a nice break. And I'm sure from what you do, uh, you can appreciate, especially I think you said you're also interested in landscape and nature photography, and you can appreciate how just being one with nature outside sort of is almost therapeutic uh, for you. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing all the suffering, maybe you're providing some release for other, but you know, when you do that, you're taking part of providing help and releases that you're taking on the suffering a little bit on yourself. Uh, and when you go out in nature, I think it's, uh, it's very, it's, it's very, um, releasing you know I, I one of the things i say is you know you know there's more therapy in a simple waterfall than you can find in any medicine self-help book or seminar you know, just go out there and enjoy nature and all of these things will just disappear <laughs> yeah definitely it's i'm curious uh when you when you go on photography trips as a physician and you and you come back to have you found that spending time in with the camera and nature have you found that that has a significant impact on your ability to be a better physician a better husband a better better parent i think i think that's very very true you know we all have our passions you know i, I love medicine i really do i love helping people uh, but i also love photography uh and you know it's it's not all or nothing. So when I am away from a work for a week doing photography, I miss work, <laughs> you know, and when I'm doing work for a while, I miss photography uh, because I really have a passion for my work, for my family and for photography. And there are sort of like three legs of a stool, if you will. Uh, and, you know, if I concentrate too much on one, it's almost like there's a little bit of a imbalance in that stool. Maybe uh, it's a little crooked and then I have to go and put a little, tape or put a little uh, strut on one of them. And that's sort of like my analogy to going from one thing to the other. Uh, and fortunately, my family is unbelievably understanding. You know, they know I have a, uh, a demanding schedule for work. Uh, and, you know, one of my releases is doing photography. And then when I'm done photography, I go back to work. I spend more time with my family. I have a certain amount of vacation time and I sort of allot that uh, depending on, uh, on what trips I want to take and what family obligations I have and what the family wants to do. So it's a constant rearranging uh, and balancing act uh, between those three mm-hmm. legs of the stool, if you will. So as a, as a physician, I'm curious, how, do you, how are you able to manage your schedule and, and get out and do photography trips? Um, like how often are you getting out and how much planning and preparation time is there involved in terms of trying to get, make it work? Because I feel like a lot of us struggle with that as people that have other jobs. So kind of what does it look like for you? Yeah, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that uh, we get a good amount of vacation time. uh, And we also get uh, what's called academic time, uh, where we can go for conferences. And oftentimes, I I try to go conferences uh, in areas that are photogenic, and then I'll tag on a few extra days or a week towards the end of the conference to do my photography. Uh, so that that that's one strategy I've used to be able to travel as much as I have. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, I'm lucky enough to get invited to speak uh, at certain conferences. Uh, uh, so sometimes as a visiting professor at institutions, and I try to tailor those times during um, good photography uh, peaks for that particular location. Uh, and so I and again, a lot of preparation goes uh, into this, you know, because we get a certain number of days and we sort of. I sort of have to say, okay, this much time is for family and this much time is for photography and this is conference time. How can I best maximize all that so I get, I get a great clinical experience, I, 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 I spend quality time with my family, 
yet I'm still out there during the optimal times for photography. Uh, again, sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm lucky enough that most of the times it has worked out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, are you, do you find yourself or have you found yourself uh, signing up for workshops or things like that? Like, is that something that you do? You know, I don't. I've, I've run a few workshops myself and I enjoy that. I, you know, I'm, I'm um, big into education. You know, recently I received a master's in education because I love education so much. That's why I've stuck in medicine and particularly academic medicine. Uh, I teach a lot of trainees that come through the program and that sort of translates to my wanting to teach photography. I feel like I have a lot of knowledge I can share with others. Uh, and so I've done one workshop just to get an idea of what a workshop is like, you know, what was a good way of running a workshop, uh, you know, what are the characteristics of a good workshop leader, uh, and what are the bad characteristics of if, if it happened to be a bad experience, uh, uh, and, you know, what the expectations of people coming are. So I've been able to sort of get that information and apply it to the, some of the workshops that I have done. I don't do many workshops, you know, I don't have the time, uh, but the ones I have done, it's been, uh, it's, it's been fun. And uh, I think I, uh, the people who have attended uh, have enjoyed it and have learned a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so as far as doing workshops myself, going to them, I don't typically do it. I typically like to find my own way around. You know, I don't, when I go to a place, I get a general idea of where things are, of what the important landmarks are, but I don't go and look at every single composition or, or the or say, okay, I really want to get this one picture. I think half the fun is going there and discovering new compositions yourself. And sometimes the compositions happens to be a classic that all other people have taken. Sure. But more often than not, it's something that that's unique, even of a, of a place that that's been shot many times. Maybe you find a little a different perspective or a, a different foreground, and that makes all the difference. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, you mentioned that you kind of have taken note of, you know, characteristics of a workshop leader that are positive and negative. What are what are some of the characteristics that you think a workshop leader should have on the positive side? Positive. I think you have to go to a workshop with the idea that you are not there to take pictures. <laughs> You're not there, there, there to enhance your own portfolio. You're there for the attendees, you know? So you should... You can have your gear, but you shouldn't go to a place and all of a sudden you're the first person to go out there with a tripod and camera set up. You can make your settings and then, then you go and sort of, quote unquote, help the other people. I think your primary goal as a good workshop leader is to help the other people first. And if there happens to be time, if everybody is satisfied, then you can take a shot or two yourself. So I think that's the that's the number one thing is you're not there for you. You're not there to enhance your own portfolio. You're there for your attendees. Uh, and the trainees who want to get something out of photography. Uh, number two, I think it 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 it's a necessity that you have researched the area that you're being a workshop leader for. You know, if you go to the Columbia River Gorge, make sure you know where the waterfalls are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> make sure you know how to get there. You know, make sure that the, maybe this one particular path is is closed for whatever reason. Don't let it be your first time you're you're there and you're running the workshop. Right. That means doing the legwork, going there beforehand and deciding you know what's important and have have outlets you know have multiple plans depending on what the weather is like what the conditions are like you know so if plan a doesn't work maybe you go to plan b plan c plan d and i think that's that comes with experience that's not something that you gain after just going there one time you know and another thing is no photography you know it's you just can't all of a sudden be on instagram for a couple of months think you know how to take pictures, you know, because you're there not just for the place. The place is the draw, you know, wherever you're photographing. But what really makes you a great educator, a workshop leader, is your is the knowledge of photography that you bring. You know, know what the base ISO is and know why that why that base ISO has the greatest dynamic range. Know what happens uh, you know, when you uh, change the aperture. Know why you should never use f22 unless you're trying to get a starburst. You know, and so you're trying to give pearls, white pearls, to your attendees. You're not trying to give them black pearls, as we say, or information that could actually be detrimental. So I think many things go into becoming a good photographer and a good workshop leader. But 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 knowledge of photography is also a very very key aspect. Are there? Um... <laughs> 
I don't know why this came to my mind, but uh, are there certain photographers that if they announced a workshop in like the least photogenic place on earth, that you would still be super excited to go take that workshop? <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, and, it, and I'm not saying this just to be a jerk, but I feel like, like nobody can really teach me landscape photography anymore in the sense that I've done it for so long sure, sure. That, there's, that, I, that I know what needs to get done. All I have to do is be there at the right time at the right place. Right. So, so that's part of the reason I don't think like I really gain anything from workshop except maybe uh, not spending as much time figuring out locations to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I've sort of stopped doing workshops myself, going to workshops because uh, all I'm gaining is what the particular places to photograph are. I'm not getting any knowledge about uh, techniques or post-processing uh, abilities. You know, I mean, as you know, many things can be learned online, on YouTube, what have you, Skillshare. So I think the answer to that question is no, I would not get excited. <laughs> There's nobody turning a workshop that I would get that excited about if the place was completely unphotogenic. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, one of the things I was really curious to talk to you about, you know, you've got a, I'm assuming a relatively, you know, well-paying job. You've, you know, you're a well-established physician, radiologist. I'm sure you make, you know, you have make a decent living. Um, and I have noticed that um, you do still invest quite a lot of time in marketing yourself as a, as a photographer. And you spend a lot of time on Instagram and you, your, your passion for, for landscape photography comes through. And I was curious uh, to talk to you a little bit about kind of what motivates you uh, for photography. Like what, what gets you to push, push the shutter? Like what is, what are you hoping to gain from that process? You know, I think a lot of, well, some part of it also has to do with ego. It's nice to be recognized as somebody who is a good photographer. I mean, it's great that I know that I'm a good photographer, but, you know, it's nice to know that other people think I'm a good photographer, particularly if the other photographers right. are also very good. Uh, <laughs> it feels good, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels good. You know, it's 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 a nice feeling to have. And uh, uh, as far as the marketing part of it, I actually do very little marketing uh, for myself. It's just I've been lucky enough to, to, to be on Instagram for long enough that I've had a, had a pretty good following. Uh, you know, I am a part of the Sony Alpha Collective where Sony's approached a few of us uh, to sort of be ambassadors for them. I'm also ambassador for Low Pro and Breakthrough Photography, Filters, Stella Light, Narbox. Uh, and all of that, I think, you know, I'm not so blind as to think that, oh, I'm a great photographer. That's why they want me. A lot of it is the numbers I have on Instagram. A lot of it is the uh, is the sort of uh, exposure I have based, you know, based on what my following in social media is. Uh, and But I think to to even get, but just because you have those numbers, they still look at the content that you have. So you have to have both. You have to have good content and you have to have a presence in social media. And I feel like uh, to get that recognition, I have to still always try to keep that presence uh, however I can. Uh, And for me, it's not so much the marketing, it's just being there. You know, when I have a great picture, show it. You know, when I find a new technique that I think is helpful, mention it. Uh, you know, when there's a new company that's interested in me, I, I try to do all out to show that I'm a person worthy to be invested in as far as time and equipment. So I think, and the more you do that, the more you're sort of training yourself to be um, a good photographer and uh, and a good influencer. Uh, so that, you know, later on, if one platform is not as prosperous or it's not giving you what you want, you can easily go to another platform. You, you're, you're establishing relationships as, uh, in essence. You know, it's it's interesting as you talk about that. Uh, I was reminded of a, a question that a fellow photographer has asked me recently, which really got me thinking. And essentially it boils down to, uh, you know, if if there wasn't any social media, like if it was just maybe just you had a website or, you know, word of mouth, whatever. It's just, there's no social media at all. Uh, how would that change uh, your approach uh, as a photographer in terms of the types of photos you take, how often you post them, um, how you feel about them, how you approach those photos? How would that change all of that for you? 
That, that, that is an interesting question. Um, I guess it all depends on what kind of sharing is involved. You know, when I first got into digital photography, uh, I used to share a lot on the forums, you know, on photography forums mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. DP Review or Fred Moran. I remember that was a great site. Uh, it wasn't social media per se, but it was a it was a place to share images, get good, honest feedback, not just, oh, that's a great image. You know, you actually got valuable information about composition, about light, uh, about uh, uh, flash photography, what, what, what you're interested in. And there was enough genuine interest that you learned a lot. So I don't really consider that as, quote unquote, social media. Uh, so as long as there was a venue like that where I could constantly learn or even constantly be able to help somebody out, uh, I think it still doesn't change my approach. Uh, I think what social media has done is sort of, you know, force you to post only certain types of pictures because, you know, those are popular. Uh, it, I think it forces you to experiment less because, you know, maybe you now you put a picture of a building, you're used to showing just mountains and rivers and you know you get like very very little engagement so i think people sort of shy away from that that's what i think the negative aspect of social media is but if as long as there's a place where you can share content without it having a detrimental effect it doesn't really affect what i share and again i'm probably one of the people that doesn't give a crap about what what i'm sharing because if you look at my content on my instagram i've got videos i have have things where i've sung you know to images (laughs) Uh, i have i have have crappy stuff about uh you know what my son is doing uh so in in my sense you know because i don't rely rely on it as a form of income or as a form of uh, uh of gaining popularity i feel like i've already established myself with the with the photographic community and you know that 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 i have enough sponsors and ambassadorships that i'm not going to that, that they know what i'm about uh, so i just use that as a way to have fun and, and share and teach mainly it's to uh, to teach if i can if you look at my every single image i have there's something about the parameters i've used there's some advice i give people uh and so in that sense it doesn't i don't think it'll change no matter what medium i'm in whether i'm it's for social media or not uh i think it's like it for me personally, it wouldn't change the way I, way I post. Mm-hmm. So you were, it sounds like a, a fairly early adopter of the Instagram platform. And I'm, right. I'm curious how your use of that platform has shaped, shaped you, shaped your photography, shaped how you approach photography, things like that. Well, you know, um, even before, so, you know, Instagram, I'd started maybe about six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. but that means I still had, had done photography for 13 years before that. Right? right. So I felt like I still had a good grasp of photography when I did Instagram. So I was kind of like a big fish in a little pond when I first started out because I knew a lot of photography. I had quote unquote good images and people liked it. So I, I was able to establish a good following relatively quickly. Uh, and and as social media has evolved, uh, you know, my abilities as a photographer and as a, as a editor of images uh, has gotten more, but it's an asymptotic curve. You know, the rate of increase of knowledge has slowed down considerably after you reach a certain point. Uh, it's like a, a curve that accelerates very quickly, but quickly slows down also. So by the time I'd started Instagram, it's not like I learned a lot more during that time. You know, it's not like all of a sudden, oh, I know this is the, the genre that that I want to do. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So as you look through my portfolio from day one, uh, to today, uh, you'll have it, it'll look very similar as far as um, the type of photography, the type of editing I've done. I try to go for realistic-looking images as opposed to more fantasy type. Um, and I think one of the things I've always said is like you know use Photoshop just to make it look like you used Photoshop. And I've sort of stuck to that mantra uh, over the years. So I feel like I really haven't changed very much as far as what I post and. And uh, and uh, in what I think needs to be posted. How has um, how has the Instagram platform uh, shaped shaped your career as a as a photographer, at least as a side side thing that you're doing? I think the biggest thing that Instagram has done has gotten me exposed to companies that I otherwise would not have been exposed to. You know, uh, 
had it not been for Instagram, I don't think Sony would have seen any of my work. You know, it just I used Sony cameras for years, and I just happened to tag them, and they saw my work, and they liked it. You know, uh, I had it not for that. I had not. I would not have gone to Condo 3.0 or on any any of these little events that Sony has, and that's where they have all these different companies that come together. And I would not have been able to meet uh, the people who are in charge of social media that way. So the, the the biggest thing social media or Instagram has done for me is get my name out there. I think there's so many good photographers, so many good photographers out there. Uh, and, you know, it, that's not the issue. The issue is how do you get your name out there so that people, people see you from the rest of the great photographers? What makes you different? Uh, and that's what Instagram or social media has done for me. It's, it's, it's brought me a little recognition in a, in a pool of wonderfully talented people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've noticed you actually post, a, well, I mean, you have like, I don't know, three times as many posts as maybe you've probably been on the platform about three times as long. So that probably makes sense. Do you find yourself uh, posting daily, weekly? Like how, what is kind of what is your strategy for using the platform? I really don't have a strategy to tell you the truth. Uh, <laughs> I, lo- I love to hear that, by the way. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, you know I post a certain time of day, you know, for a certain day of the week. Don't post more than one image a day, one image a week, you know, whatever. There are so many different algorithms that people are talking about. But if you look at my pattern, like this week, I was in Iceland, you know, I posted two to three images a day, you know. Uh, and if you look before that, I hadn't posted something for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I've gone a month. And other times I post four or five things, all depending on, you know, I get very excited when I when I think I have a good image or I have something important to say or it's, you know, it's, it's cool. And so I posted without any regard to time of day, day of the week, uh, you know, uh, what the what the phase of the moon is. <laughs> so I have a strategy for posting. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I used to do that when I, I would go on these big trips and, you know, I'd get super excited and I'd maybe post a photo like from the trip or like right when I get back. And, and then I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like for whatever reason, I, I want to marinate a little longer on some of my images. Like I want to spend a little bit more time looking at them and kind of going, you know, spending the extra time to post process. But it sounds like maybe your approach is just like, I want to get it looking pretty good and just get it out there. Kind of how have you kind of gone, gone about that strategy in terms of knowing when your images are ready to post? Well, I mean, if you talk to people who know me, like people who go on these trips, I mean, they can't believe that you know basically i take an image on the camera and then i use the inbuilt wi-fi to send the, the jpeg directly to my phone and I edit on my phone so all the pictures actually that that's awesome on instagram right now like at least for the last couple of weeks from iceland they've all been edited on my phone and you know wow, that's about, cool this, yeah this is how you do it. you just this and you know there's the, our phones are so powerful now you know i use snapseed almost exclusively and they have like double exposure techniques there's stuff to correct perspective it's it's crazy and you know for instagram platform you don't need raw images uh uh, to to make an image look really good uh and so i just so my strategy is and if if there's something that's really really great then i'll go home and i'll work on it i'll finesse it and i'll submit it to sony for licensing if, if they want but to answer your question about marinating images i think there's something to be said about that and if i post an image and i don't like it I just post it again with a different edit and say, hey, I go, you know what? Look, uh, I posted this last week, but uh, here's another version that I think I like a little more. What do you guys think? So <laughs> I, I sort of live, I live on both sides of the coin, if you will. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And there's no, there's no fear. There's no reason. Like, why not? You know? Yeah. Like, see, because I think there, for me, even if nobody liked my images, I'd still post it. You know, like as you know, the the sort of the engagement and the like rates have gone down considerably with new algorithms on Instagram, but it really hasn't phased me. So I know so I don't get as many likes as I got before. I get a third or a half, you know, but the people who are coming back to look, it's still a significant amount, enough that that, that I feel like I'm contributing uh, in whatever way to their education. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's it's so funny just to hear different people talk about that because uh, I can think of three or four photographers that I've talked to that like they'll literally sit on images for half a year, a year before they even post it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I shot that a year ago. I just now got around to posting it. It's like, wow, how do you do that? I, yeah. I, 
like and, and you know I, like like you said there's nothing wrong with if that's what your style is that's what you do you know more power to you but i just don't have that patience <laughs> oh no there's definitely nothing wrong with it in fact yeah. i i i highly admire it i just yeah. i personally have a really hard time with that myself like like i said i just got back from this uh fall colors trip and i mean what's the first one of the like after you unpack and like throw your clothes in the laundry like what is the one of the first things you do, right? You throw your memory card in the computer so you can start like pulling them down and yeah. processing them, you know? <laughs> it's like I know within hours. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I don't know, it's hard for me not not to wanna start processing those photos right away. It's just I don't know, it's something about it. <laughs> yeah, no, but but when you process them, you still wait a little while because you wanna see if the processing you did was what you were really thinking of, right? Like maybe sometimes, for example, you know, I'll process an image and I'll say, oh, come back to it. like, oh, I guess the saturation is way too much. I don't know what I was thinking. That's right. sort of a feeling you're, uh, that you're having that if I let it marinate and come back to it, I'll get uh, a fresher eyes. Yeah, I definitely uh, have found myself at least, like I'll edit it and then I'll come back and look at it the next day and I'll be like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, so I'll definitely... I definitely definitely spend a lot more time kind of second guessing and re-reviewing stuff before I release it to the public. But uh, waiting months, no way. I I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> no. And you know, but like like I said, I started Instagram like five or six years ago, but I still had this backlog of images for fifteen years. So for for a long time, I could share images from fifteen years ago, and and I it was still fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, right? Like, yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, I I started photography like more or less in 2010 so uh-huh. yeah i i didn't quite have that same luxury but uh that's and most of my stuff prior to i don't know 2016 wasn't that good with an occasional shot here and there that was decent but uh no that's funny um well i wanted to ask you too about uh the sony alpha collective um it sounds like you uh it's Correct me if I'm wrong, but you attribute your uh, ability to leverage that or become a Sony Alpha uh, ambassador to your Instagram success. Is that am I getting that right? Correct. Yes. You know. I, so my my point is, unless I had the following uh, and I had tagged them, they wouldn't have really looked at my account. The, the, what the what? The, how would they have found me otherwise? Right. There's mm. nothing else I do to expose myself uh, as a photographer out there. Right. to the web right the only way i sort of quote unquote advertise myself is post on instagram and i tag uh, and i tag various companies that i think may be interested in the stuff i do uh, and so because i use sony cameras i tag sony uh, and then you know about four years ago uh, they were just getting their social media team uh up and running they they really felt that uh, social media was a great way to uh get their product out there, get their product known. Because at that at that point they were they really weren't that huge a company as far as photography. You know, people thought about Nikon, they talk about um uh Canon, they thought of maybe Panasonic, maybe Fuji, but nobody ever actually thought about Sony as a real camp- camera company. And I think their great uh, ability was to f- foresee the power uh social media has. So they really aggressively went after people um on social media, particularly Instagram. And now they have a whole team just dedicated to um like a whole floor actually in a building in San Diego dedicated to social media. Uh and so oh the, my point is that had I not been tagging, had I not been Insta- been on Instagram, I wouldn't have gotten a view. I still had to have the numbers because they looked at me, they liked my content, they saw I had good numbers uh for, for that time and they say, you know, this person would be a good ambassador, good influencer uh, for other people. And so that's how I came on board, you know, and once you're on board, you know, there are a couple of requirements, you know, you, I, I write several articles for them throughout the year. Um, uh, I give them credit when I, when I take an image uh, with, with, with the camera. And that's, that's not a big deal for me at all because I, I use a camera regardless of whether I was part of Sony or not. Uh, just doing those few things, you know, has made them happy enough to, to just, keep me on board still no, that's awesome even though my you know even though my my influencer status or ability has gone down steadily over the years because you know i don't have as many likes anymore i don't have as many followers i mean but that seems to be a trend but they don't they don't seem to care because i think i've established uh, a pattern of, of, of 
mm-hmm. what I do. Have you have you found that uh, relationship with a brand? Have you found that to be um, something? to take advantage of? Like, has it been beneficial or have you found it to be somewhat restrictive in terms of, oh yeah, that's right. I have to post another thing. Like what kind of, what is your view on what that relationship looks like for you? I have been extremely happy with relationships. I don't get paid by them. You know, obviously it's just an ambassadorship. You know, they, they offer, they, they take me on a couple of trips, uh, you know, and you know, I go to some of the launch events, uh, you know, where they have the expenses paid but I actually don't get paid to do any of this. You know, sometimes they'll license an image for which they'll pay me, but they're getting mm-hmm. something out of it, you know? Uh, sure. And, and in that in that way, I think uh, it's, it's and even it, it's been very beneficial for me and I like it a lot uh, because again, just being able to say that I'm a Sony ambassador has opened up so many doors for me elsewhere. I would not have been able to get, I think the other, ambassadorships had it not been for the Sony ambassadorship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as the requirements being too onerous, I don't think so. It's it, The requirements are actually quite minimal. You know, for example, you know, I do, you're only required to make one post a month on Instagram and all you have to do is mention that you use the camera. But every post I I put, I mention them because, you know, that's the camera I use. If you <laughs> want to know what camera right. I use, so I was going to put that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's the way I think about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I was just curious because um, I've been doing a little bit more of that recently, and I was, you know, curious as someone who's been doing it for a while how that how that feels. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, you don't feel like it's um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I was trying to think of like, like I don't feel dig- digital handcuffs or I don't know something, but uh, yeah, you know, you know, and you know, I guess the only thing is that I don't I probably I don't use as many other cameras as I used to before I sort of built this relationship with Sony. Before I used to use Canon, Nikon, Panasonic, Leica, Fuji, whatever you name it, I, I used it, you know? But in some sense, it's actually better for me because now I don't have to spend all this money to get other cameras. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure your wife appreciates right, it. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's it's funny. It's funny. I don't know why I thought of this, but there's a, um, you'd mentioned Fred Miranda earlier yeah, and um, I'm on the buy sell forums over there because that's where I get all of my gear usually. And uh, uh-huh. I feel like there's this guy. He he has a doctor in his name, and I swear, every month he has a new post where he's selling new Sony gear. Like he buys new Sony gear and then he sells it. It's it's the funniest oh. thing I've ever seen. I don't know. How, it's not you, is it? No, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, you should see my if you, if you saw my closet, you know I never get rid of gear. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny man <laughs> no it's uh it's like i said it, it's been nothing but positive for me i know you know some people like oh you know you know i can't trust what you say about cameras because you're a sony ambassador you're always going to recommend sony you know, which is not true you know if, if you dm me you know if i if somebody or particular uh i'm not going to say it publicly you know that i i you know that I don't you know whatever but if you dm me i say what do you think about this like, i'll talk to you about all the downsides and benefits you know but i honestly believe that sony makes the best sensors in the world you know and, and oh and, for sure and their glass is getting really really good particularly their g master stuff and so i have no guilt in saying that you know are there equivalent systems out there probably you know but you know i'm getting these this equipment at a discount uh, i like the philosophy of the company i like what they're doing i like where they're going so you know, I don't feel any guilt uh, in recommending them. Yeah. If I did, I wouldn't do it, you know, because I don't really need them to, you know, not get my money from it. So I'm not making money, money from this. It's just, it's a nice perk. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like that's the rub for me. It's like, if it's something you would recommend anyways, like that makes you a very yeah. good ambassador. It's like, well, you can call me an ambassador all you want, but like, I'm still going to tell people what I like about your brand, you know? Yeah. I mean, the fact that I had been using Sony for so many years before, I sort of came on board. It was that sort of testament, you know, of, of, of my, of what I like, but, you know, I used to like Canon too, but then, you know, I just didn't like the sensors, you know, they had, I, I love, I used to use the one DX. Uh, I had the one DX Mark two, I one DX Mark four, the five D I still have a five D uh, Mark four, you know, but it's collecting dust because 
I, because I try to manipulate the images a lot. You know, I play with the exposures. I play with the white balance. It's just not as malleable a file. Mm-hmm. That's the simple line, you know? But those Canon colors, man, they look pretty good. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you're right, though. Like, um, it's funny. My friend of mine, he just switched from Canon for years over to the Nikon Z7 and uh-huh. And he's loving it because it's, you know, the files are just so much better than the Canon files in terms of what you can do with them. But the colors are, you have to spend more time, you know, doing color management in post for sure. I, I feel like, you know, as a landscape photographer, I'm often manipulating the colors anyway from what it originally looked like to the to the feeling I want to portray. I'm often making it warmer, sure. making it cooler. You know, it's not, it's, if I, if I relied heavily on skin tones, maybe my, you know, my, my message would be different, sure, but I don't, sure, I'm sure. not a people, I'm not a portrait photographer. So as far as colors, I made the colors exactly what I wanted to be, you know, when I, you know, from shooting from raw, because when I look at the raw file, it's all, oh, it's all there. Uh, you know, washed out, low contrast, no matter what I'm shooting in. And then I go and, you know, mess around with it until I, I get it to look the way I want. It's not going to look like maybe reality, but it's going to look like what I want it sure. to look like. Well, cool, man. So uh, winding down, I'm curious, who would you recommend for the podcast? Who do you think our listeners would want to hear from? Yeah, you know, uh, another Alpha Collective member, which I respect a lot. He's a great guy, uh, wonderful photographer. You know, started out with just using iPhones. Uh, is Eric Ward. His Instagram handle is Little Cole. Uh, he's a fourth grade school teacher. Um, he's an all around great guy, great photographer. He's 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 somebody to think about, uh, you know. And uh, if you want to, that's awesome. Yeah, no, he's it, it's it's one one of the wonderful things about about photography is that you get to meet people from all walks of life, from on all all backgrounds, all sort of sharing the similar passion for photography, you know. Uh, and there there are, uh, you know. Other people outside uh, of landscape photography, like uh, there's travel photographers, uh, Renee Hannell and her husband, uh, Matt Hannell, they're a pair. Uh, they are often traveling all over the world all the time. They're, they're, they have wonderful content, wonderful people, very, very uh, genuine. I think they would make great uh, a great person. There's uh, Quay. Uh, uh, I think his Instagram, if you just search for Quay or queue around or something like that he uh he's out of florida uh, and he's he's a he's a he's a great photographer um you know always hustling for uh for images for you know he's recently switched to doing this full time and he's and he's and he's really getting into it and he's really getting a lot of gigs He's another person, you know. Unfortunately, all I really know are people who use Sony. So (laughs) (laughs) the people I'm recommending, Uh, uh, but but yeah, those are the people that sort of come into mind because you know I've hung out with them. I know them as people. It's not just another personality on Instagram. So I so so I feel like those are the people I I can truly recommend because I I'm hung hung around with them. And then you had uh, mentioned to to me earlier uh, someone from DP Review. Is that right? Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, uh, uh, Sanyal Rishi Sanyal, uh, he's their science editor. Uh, he has a PhD, I think, in in digital imaging or sensor something technology, uh, and he's a wealth of information. And I think he has the ability to take that technical knowledge and filter it down for the layman. So what he says makes a lot of sense to to the normal guy reading this stuff. So I think he would be a great person. Uh, and he takes great pictures also. Um, he loves taking pictures of his family. He's got a, a beautiful wife and a baby daughter. Uh, just just a, just a sweet man. Awesome. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you spending the time to uh, to tell us about your journey as a photographer. Well, thank you for inviting me. And, you know, I this was a pleasure. You know, I, I love talking about photography and I love talking about it with somebody who has interest in it. And so this has been a an hour of of, of of time well spent so thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure <laughs> all right well thanks to Mahesh for joining us on the podcast I had a wonderful time sharing the microphone with you this week and I hope to catch up with you sometime at a Sony event well if you enjoy the podcast don't forget you can also listen to over 90 bonus episodes over on patreon 
It's a great way to support the podcast at a level that you think is reasonable. I talk a lot about the value for value model and why I have chosen to use it to finance the podcast. I don't believe that you should have to listen to completely unrelated advertisements about products that you'll never buy. If you value the podcast, I think you'll support it, and Patreon is the way to do that. Speaking of, I want to thank our newest patrons. We have two new patrons this week, Dr. John W. Dotson and Jeff Walker. Thank you both for helping support the show and keeping it going. I really appreciate it. All right, well, speaking of other ways that people have supported the podcast, uh, we have some amazing uh, people that I like to call our podcast uh, producers, and they support us over on Patreon at the $20 month level and higher. Uh, and that includes uh, some amazing people, including Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, David Kingham, Charlotte Gibb, Anton Everine, Laurie Berenson, William Nurse, Ken Dono, Daniel Francois, James Bakavoy, Matthias at Photomagica, Richard Wong, Zachary Smith, Frank Otto Peterson, Michael Rung, Suzanne Mathia, Timothy Floyd, and Jason Clardy. You guys are awesome. And the reason why I wanted to mention you guys first is because you guys have really made it possible for me to to launch this uh, Landscape Conservation Award that's going to be ending at the end of December for nominations. And uh, still seeking nominations for that. The award's up to about $1,500 now. And we've gotten some amazing uh, prizes that have been given to us by some sponsors, including uh, Shimoda Designs. They make amazing uh, camera backpacks. Uh, They just released a Kickstarter project of their newest camera backpack, which is called the Action X series. Uh, They gave me one to test, and I took it out on my uh, recent 11-day fall color photography trip on a 16-mile backpacking trip and uh, did a review on it over on my blog you can check out uh let's just say it was an amazing camera bag and uh, i was super excited to get one and super excited for whoever wins this award to get one as well uh shimoda is donating a camera bag of their choice a core unit and a roller and accessory case which is a 779 dollar value we also got an amazing uh, donation from Reed Art and Imaging. They're a fine art print lab located in Denver, Colorado, and uh, they're my print lab of choice for all of my high-end acrylic prints, and they're donating to the winner a $500 credit towards the purchase of an acrylic print, and they do some really amazing work, so definitely check them out in the liner notes as well. Uh, we also got a donation from Tamron, the camera lens manufacturer. They are donating a 45mm lens, uh, which is worth $599 to the winner of the award. Um, we also have a donation from Viewbug, the uh, photo, popular photo sharing contest website. Uh, they're donating a Pro Plus membership to the winner of the award, which is a $179 value. And lastly, QT Luang. Uh, he is a photographer and supporter of the podcast, and he is donating a limited edition copy of his award-winning photo book, Treasured Lands. Uh, Treasured Lands is a book all about the 61 U.S. national parks with location and photography notes for each photograph. The limited edition version is valued at $245. Thank you so much, QT. And I would be... Uh, Really remiss if I didn't thank all of our other patrons, not just our $20 a month and higher, but all of you guys donating at $5, $10. You guys really are just keeping the podcast alive, and I just can't thank you enough. All right, well, let's talk about some really exciting things that I'm excited to announce. Um, first up, uh, I'm going to be uh, teaching as an instructor at uh, Out of Yosemite coming in February, so check that out. It'll be February 5th through 9th in 2020 i'll be teaching and recording podcasts and hosting panel discussions with some amazing photographers that are much better than myself uh, but hopefully you can come hang out with me and uh, you can use the code fstop250 for 250 dollars off your registration to out of yosemite so check that out and i'm really excited to announce some upcoming podcasts some of which i've already recorded so we've already recorded with uh with michael fry it was a really fantastic conversation. He'll be also teaching at Out of Yosemite. Um, We have Dylan Fox. He's a really fantastic photographer uh, from Western Australia. So look forward to listening to that one and and, 
really listening in on his awesome Australian accent, which, you know, you can't go wrong with that, right? <laughs> uh, we also record, we're going to be recording with Mandy Lee. Uh, she was re- recommended to us by Joshua Cripps back on episode 28. She's traveling the country in her RV and taking fantastic photos along the way. Um, and she's uh, sponsored by Nikon. Uh, we also have Carl Vandenboom, the founder of Valerie Photography Gloves, coming on. And we have Michael Strickland, a film photographer specializing in panoramic photography. And lots, lots more. I'm really excited for some of our upcoming uh, episodes. So look forward to seeing those. All right. Well, thanks for listening and checking in. And we'll see you next week.